power on. You know, before we get to this episode of TIE Fighter Renegades, yes, all new, baby, me and Rob just tearing it up. Uh, I have a little bit of an apology to make because on my end, not on Rob's end, he sounds glorious. Uh, on my end, <laughs> I don't know if the internet on Ice Planet Zero here uh, somehow <laughs> just... <laughs> The inner tubes just can't transmit enough. Uh, <laughs> whatever it was, um, the audio on my end came through pretty rough. You're going to hear when you get into this episode, but we had such a great conversation. I don't want to let it go just because my audio uh, fucked up, frankly. You're going to hear some pops. I mean, here and there, you're going to hear where it sounds like my audio is cutting out. Um I am going to look into a solution for this overall. Uh, I think a lot of, well, we all know the challenges that a lot of video conferencing uh, software is having. Take your pick. Uh, we do not use Zoom for this. Make no mistake. Thank you, Sovereign Tech. Uh, but <laughs> regardless, um, just want to make you aware of it as you listen to it. Uh, there might, you know, I edit it quite a bit, so there, you shouldn't run into too many issues of flow. Uh, but there might be a point where a sentence seems to just like end out of nowhere. Well, I made this as complete as possible and there's incredible conversations to be had. We do talk about star Wars, uh, opening up a little bit of star Wars news. Uh, then we get into a conversation around alternatives back in the eighties for the character of none other than captain Jean-Luc Picard, uh, which is pretty interesting. And then we get into a whole lot of Dune talk and I assure you that is well worth it, uh, to get in on that because that might be the movie event of 2020 that is actually still going to happen. Unlike so many others. Uh, so give it a listen. Um, but just want to make you aware up front. Yes. Fully aware of the audio issues. Um, and we are going to do our best to resolve those in the future. So, okay, that's it for me here at the opening. Let's go to the real fun, which is when me and Rob are talking trash, baby. Woo, let's do it. It's TIE Fighter Renegades, a Star Wars podcast. It is time for TIE Fighter Renegades. And yes, folks, we are still rocking that new format, which means that we are going to talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about, quite frankly. And I mean, we'll still get that Star Wars in. And when I say we, you know what that means. It's not just me. It's also Rob Freebeard. Man, welcome back to TIE Fighter Renegades. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we've, boy, we have some words to share. This <laughs> oh, do we <laughs> ever. <laughs> Because boy, has there been some, there 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 has been news. We'll put it that way. So, but we'll see see where things go. And uh, we certainly have some subjects uh, we want to get into. In fact, one that uh, Rob we're basically calling an audible on because uh, uh, Rob brought it to my attention just minutes before we started recording. And I looked at it I'm like, wow, that is amazing. But we'll get into that. So we're actually going to talk a little Star Trek as well. And then just uh, just to the appetite. We are going to be talking about a favorite subject of Rob's and mine, that being Dune, uh, certainly one of our top franchises. Um, but uh, anyway, well, why don't we go ahead, Rob, and start talking about, uh, well, the thing I had to open it up, getting into a little bit of Star Wars news. Um, we didn't get into this in previous episodes, even though the, I don't even know how to describe it. Like it was a, uh, I don't know. It wasn't a making special. It was kind of a making special. It was sort of a trailer. Uh, I think Disney is probably trying to trailblaze here to pioneer here with this concept. 
Um, but we had heard for about a year, we had heard about a thing called Project Luminous for Star Wars. And everybody had different ideas of what this is. They thought, oh, is this the Knights of the Old Republic movie, which who the fuck knows what's happening with that? Um, you know, is it this, 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 this? Nobody exactly knew. And I, I mean, we had some idea that we figured it was going to take place in the Old Republic or at least in the further back in history than we're used to uh, with Disney's uh, uh, canon of Star Wars anyway. And that's basically what it ended up being. They had this announcement trailer. I'll call it that for lack of a better phrase, because I don't know. I forget how many minutes it went. Did you, did you catch this Rob? Did you, did you see it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did catch it. Um, wasn't a whole lot to it, but I mean, it, it's, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, it, it, I, I, it, it, it wasn't actually, I, I was, ex- I'll be honest with you. I was expecting more from all that I sure. heard about with project luminous. So, right. I mean, it was a little disappointment on that level and that we had heard that it was going to be this huge transmedia project. And I had in my mind uh, Shadows of the Empire because that's the last yeah. time really that, you know, uh, uh, Star Wars did that kind of thing and did it really well. Um, but it seems like we're really just like transmedia to Disney is just comics and books. So it doesn't yeah. sound like we're getting a game. It doesn't sound like we're going to get a soundtrack. It doesn't sound like we're going to get any kind of show or anything. Yeah. So they ended up, they're labeling it officially, uh, star Wars, the high Republic, um, which I thought maybe the high Republic was, you know, some kind of, uh, uh, nickname for, for Disney, because it seems like that's, (laughs) it seems like they're high all the time these days. I don't know, but anyway, uh, and they've been trying to become their own state for decades. (laughs) Oh, they, they practically are. I mean, they issue their own money. Yeah, I know you're right. Yeah, you know you're totally right about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean they I mean, are. If you if you look at the like Disneyland and Disney World, they practically are little micro nations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to the point that they have, I think, like the airspace over Disney is actually registered to them, which yeah. is that doesn't happen often outside of military bases. Um, so you know, to have like almost a restricted airspace for just a company like that just doesn't occur. But right. Disney, well, they they can pull that off. I'm um, sure that's because of the, the the fireworks and whatnot that they you know they put on these shows every single night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's plenty of reasons, and I think also they like to control uh, what you see of their you know new parks that they might be building or new uh, new attractions and so. Yeah, yeah. Um, not not but, that it stopped anybody from flying drones over the uh, the Disney parks when they were building the the Star Wars uh, lands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's no way you can stop that now. No, uh, I mean they're just kidding <laughs> themselves if they if they even want to try. I mean that's like how they 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 try to shut down like at Comic Con. They try to shut down people's phones, you know, in varying rooms and keeping you from recording the mm-hmm. exclusive trailer and all that. Yeah kiss my ass. People are going to see it anyway. <laughs> I mean, you're just, now you're just enticing them. I mean, well, all not... they were doing, yeah, all they were doing was, was cutting off the internet connection. So people would, would record it onto their phone and then, right. you know, upload it when they leave the, uh, the theater. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, and it's not that this is impossible. It is. Um, I've covered these stories on sovereign tech where literally if, if whatever authoritative body, uh, wants to, shut down your smartphone. Uh, I mean, that, that exists. It's not conspiracy. I mean, you know, anyway, we don't have to go down that road, but they could just completely shut down their phone if they wanted to. I think if they did, people would, 
they'd get a lot different reaction than what they do than what they'd expect because people would suddenly be like, Holy fuck, this can happen. You know, <laughs> but shutting down the internet, I guess that's slightly palatable. But anyway, we don't need to get lost on that. Um, yeah. So the high Republic, uh, I guess we'll get back into it. This yeah. Transmedia agreed. I was thinking this is going to be very shadows of the empire as well. Frankly, it might end up being that still like maybe these books will just sell so goddamn well and these comic books will just sell so well that they'll say, okay, there's interest here. Let's make a movie or okay. There's interest here. Let's make a video game and, and so on. I could imagine that. I mean, people got to remember, like you brought up Rob shadows, of the empire in the nineties had literally everything except a movie, but right. it had everything else video right. game comic book, novel, art book, making special book. I mean, like everything except for an actual movie, the soundtrack, the whole thing. It had the soundtrack. And that was the uh, exciting they, thing about it is that right. you got all this stuff as, you know, at, at one time. Toy line and, even. And, and, and that's, that's, and that's what I don't like about this is like the, the fact that they are playing it safe is, is like, okay, let's, let's dip our toes in this transmedia thing just a tad and see how we like it. You know, right. like, you know, you've, you've got the money, you know, have, have some, some confidence. I think that, I mean, that's, that's, I think a huge problem with, with, with Disney star Wars is just like, they just don't have confidence in what they're selling. And well, so they're not really willing to take a risk on any of it. Well, you know, it's weird. And you raise a great point here, um, that I wasn't even necessarily thinking about because they'll come out with that dumb ass. This is like when Disney first bought Star Wars. They came out with that, um, like that 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 EDM album. Oh yeah, Wars themes. right. Yeah, remember that? Mm-hmm. I do. This was on three, four years ago, maybe or five years ago. I don't know. However long ago it was. And I was yeah, like, I listened, what, what I, listened, I listened to it once, and that that's probably it. Yeah, I mean, I've got it on Plex, sure, but like, I I never touch it. Like, who no. who the hell wanted that? Who even asked for that? I mean, the the argument could be made though. It's like, well, well, that's, that's nice that, um, Disney's being a little experimental anyway. Uh, but boy, you know, if they're willing to publish that, why the fuck won't they publish a soundtrack for, for this? Cause this, that could be really cool, you know, to have, I mean, cause I did that. Like I listened to the Joel McNeely score of shadows of the empire while I was reading the book or when I was reading the comic books and it was a cool experience. Uh, what, what a shame to not have that with this. Um, I mean, we are getting three books. Uh, one of them is by Claudia Gray, so that's probably going to be a winner, wouldn't you say, Rob? Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. a solid writer no matter what she's working on. Yeah. Um, we're going to get a couple comic book series. Um, I, the thing that's weird to me, I still don't understand this relationship with IDW because one of the comic books is going to be with published through Marvel, and then you're going to get High Republic Adventures, which I'm guessing is going to be like the kiddie version, kind of like mm-hmm. Star Wars Adventures is right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the part that I don't like about this is that's the part that's being worked on by, uh, Daniel Jose older, who I thought his book last shot was actually really good. Like I, I liked that with the, like the, the Ewok hacker or slicer and everything. Um, I, I, I don't know that like that, that seems to be misplaced writing talent, but okay. Yeah. So, so we're getting, there is going to be a, who is it? Charles, Charles soul. Have we, have we had any books by Charles soul? That name doesn't ring a bell in Star Wars. Uh, it's not with Star Wars. The name sounds familiar, but yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we've had anything with, from him in Star Wars. 
Okay. Well, this is all kicking off late August. Uh, so it's the thing for 2020. Um, I mean, kudos to Disney for having what, at least what they're treating as a major project at a time when the movie theater business is basically dead. Uh, and, and even like the movie production oh, or I'm totally wrong. He was the writer on the Lando comic. Oh, well, that's going to be great then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, let's just say my excitement level just, just, yeah, just yeah, next. me too. Oh, so that's why we recognize the name because for listener, longtime listeners of TIE Fighter Renegades, you know, Rob and I have regularly said yeah. in Disney's new canon, Lando, the Lando comic was, was top marks. I yeah. Mean, he's, he's one. worked on quite a few things here. Um, uh, Poe Dameron too, which is another solid series. Yeah. We, we were also very complimentary towards that. I mean, the Lando comic was probably the best thing in the new canon to date. Um, well, that's great. Okay. Well, they, they got the right guy, uh, for that. <laughs> I, I can't believe I, 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 I like blipped on his name. That, that, I, yeah. I yeah. Regardless. Uh, all right. Well, so, so there's some good names here involved. Um, Justina Ireland. I, I know she did something else, but I can't think of what it is. Uh, Kevin Scott. I mean, there, there's, there's people involved. Uh, and again, I really could see that this could turn into games and movies. If these end up selling past a certain threshold, whatever that arbitrarily happens to be, uh, for, for Disney. But I mean, now granted, I know the excitement went up a little bit when, when we found out who exactly Charles soul was, and we won't forget that name again, uh, in the near future. Um, but Rob, I mean, how are you feeling? About, how are you feeling about this? This is the event of 2020 for star Wars. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm my, my attitude may change when these, you know, books and comics finally come out, but I'm still feeling the franchise fatigue. I'm just yeah. really not that excited. Um, and I, and I wish I was because for a long time, you know, I've been, uh, Part of the, you know, group of people who have been saying, hey, you know, do Old Republic stuff. And while this mm -hmm. isn't quite Old Republic, um, it's certainly a lot closer to it than anything that we've gotten from Disney to date. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and we've brought up many times, like, how well done the Tales of the Jedi comic book series was back in the 90s. Um, of course, the Knights of the Old Republic games are, you know, so renowned. Um yeah, I, I hear you on the franchise fatigue. I, I feel the same thing where I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I think I was hoping to hear and we're, we were supposed to get an announcement in 2020. I understand why we're not uh, probably. We were supposed to get an announcement of what the next movie was going to be. I was hoping it would be a High Republic movie because, I mean, the nice thing is if this is an era where we don't know much about anything there's no expectations. And so we can kind of go into it like, all right, let's, let's see what they're going to do here. And it could be interesting. Um, yeah. but yeah, I just, I don't, I don't really feel the excitement at, at all, you know, and, no. I, and I want to, but I can't. And, and I don't think we're going to hear anything about the, the movie until, uh, celebration, if that's still going to happen this year. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I have, point. I have tickets already you know bought and paid for and still no word on whether or not uh that's actually going to happen this year right right and wh when does that normally happen uh, i know think it's summer. august august yeah yeah uh yeah shame because i mean with high republic coming out at that time it would have been you know well i obviously we all know why these things are getting shut down but you know that would have been interesting uh to have that i don't know i that's where they could have done something really cool where they could have had a whole setup 
you know, at Celebration where you're basically entering like a city of, you know, Baha'i Republic at that time. Uh, and that could have been really cool. But how do you feel about it? Did you see the artwork for what do they call them? The Nile, the Nil, the, like these space yeah. Vikings? Yeah, that's the other thing I was like, um, I mean, it's okay. But here again, not that excited about it. Uh, yeah. The, they just seem like any other band of, you know, outlaws in the Star Wars universe. So hopefully the, there's going to be something to them that's a little more compelling than what we're seeing so far. Yeah, I don't like the name. Um, but I mean, that's just a personal point for me. Like, because uh, yeah. I, I don't like nihilism being used in the pejorative uh, because nihilism has a more than one meaning. Right. <laughs> and some of those meanings are actually, or at least one of them I could think of is a very good one in my opinion. And it's not even, of, it's not ahead. even original in terms of star Wars. Cause of course you had Darth Nihilus in, uh, right. Knights of the Republic too. Right. Well, that might be, Hmm. So maybe, I mean, I know that's old Canon, but that, uh, that could point at perhaps some, uh, some connection there with the Sith, which yeah, I mean, if maybe. they're going to go there, okay, fine. You know, I'll, I'll yeah. take it. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm not terribly excited about this. Uh, it's happening. We'll see. Uh, I really, if I was Disney, I mean, I agree with them on doubling down on it, on trying to make it a big deal because, I mean, a lot of franchises, you know, it's a miracle if they can even have shit done this year. Um, you know, it's a miracle that Picard, uh, I mean, I'd be just as well if Picard was a, and I don't mean the actor, I mean, the show was a victim of COVID-19 and wasn't able to come out. Uh, you know, it'd certainly help with my depression, but, um, <laughs> and, and I would, uh, I'd love it if, if discovery season three, uh, was also a victim of COVID-19, but because I mean, then, you know, I might be a very happy person right now, but you know, whatever, some of these franchises like squeaked stuff in, right. Um, and in fact, you know, I kind of wonder how many of these franchises are going to use COVID-19 as an excuse for why they suck. Um, I can see that. And I think that's pathetic. Yeah. To, yeah. You know, uh, it's kind of, it was kind of like back in the day in, in the early aughts where they were using the, uh, uh, the writer's strike. Yes. To yeah, explain why. Yeah. 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 It's like, well, we didn't have scripts and whatever. It's like, well, Jodorowsky can make uh fucking the height or what was it the the holy mountain or the high mountain i forget which mm -hmm. one. uh it's like he can make that without a without a script <laughs> 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 what excuse do you have you son of a bitch <laughs> oh hell anyway um <laughs> yeah all right hold on so i just mentioned alejandro jodorowsky hopefully i'm saying his name right i mean obviously you know certainly a legendary, if not infamous figure as far as comic books, because it appears that comic books are the only thing that could capture whatever the fuck runs through his mind. Um, you know, we're going to talk about Dune later, right? You, you saw, you saw the documentary about Jodorowsky's Dune. Oh right? yeah. 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 Like I get it, you know, but at the same time, like he's <laughs> <laughs> in the documentary, he's talking about this. He's bringing people in, trying to sell them on this Dune movie that he's going to make. And he's just getting them high as soon as, as soon as they walk in, like, like, like yeah, he's yeah. like, no, now before I tell you here, light up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, wow. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you as, as an interesting, as a movie, this sounds like it was going to be, I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. 
Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's, he, he tells you in the documentary, I mean, like, and, and he makes the motion even. He's like, I was raping Frank Herbert, but with love, with love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, he, he, he is such, I mean, I, I understand his type. He word. I understand his type of brilliance. Okay. And I get that. And I don't want to necessarily take away from that. But he's just a wagged out dude. I mean, if like if we thought if anybody thinks the '84 Dune was fucking weird, ah man. <laughs> have, have, are you aware of like uh, of like his history, like how he grew up and everything? And, and oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got some issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And, and like it, it definitely you can see how it 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 colors his attitudes on things, and and um some some might go as far as called you know problematic and i would like yeah kinda <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i bring it up only to only to, to to validate or to vindicate i should say my 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 thought that boy i'm glad his movie didn't get made <laughs> yeah 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 uh you know i think i think it would have been really cool if his movie got made if just as long as it wasn't called dune yeah, yeah right right yeah, yeah, yeah call, call it the holy mountain too i don't care but yeah just don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> just don't holy call it dune space mountain yeah <laughs> <laughs> holy that sounds like a rick flair movie <laughs> <laughs> gonna ride space mountain tonight baby anyway no. <laughs> oh man <Just> <laughs> yes you but then it, then it could be a disney film it'd be perfect yeah, right right, right. space mountain <laughs> all this ride longest line that's <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, well <laughs> now that we've mentioned Jodorowsky we can end the show and we're done <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> anyway I'm sure he would have made now Now there's a name I would have let loose on the comic books for the High Republic and that, that would have been interesting <laughs> yeah well I just sign me up I'd buy that yeah 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 no you know what actually thinking about it because I've read a lot of his comic books and yeah, I'm there. <laughs> it was awful. I would like, you know, this is like so out of left field that like uh, it, it's got to be better than than the 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 bland, you know, schlock that Disney's been putting out. Oh, it'd be great. Like you could bring in some of those storylines from from Doctor Afra, where like there's the the like the mushroom Jedi or something that right. Uh, or, yeah. Or, yeah, dude, yeah. I mean, it's totally Jodorowsky. He'd love yeah. it. He'd go crazy. Yeah. I mean, the colors alone would. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it would be pretty good. I, I wouldn't mind that actually. Uh, well, anyway, <laughs> we'll talk more Dune later. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I guess to say, yes, um, not too much excitement around Star Wars: The High Republic. But you know, I will say, I could be wrong. It might end up being awesome uh, because, for example, like. The um, uh, Galaxy's Edge tie-in material actually ended up being dynamite. Um, like I, I, or some of it anyway, was really, really solid. Uh, so you know, there's a chance that this could right. be really good, especially with Charles Soule involved and, of course, yeah. Claudia Gray. Right. Yeah. I'm. 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 I'm not like negative against. I'm not like you know opposed to to, to this happening. I was just. Mm. I was expecting more, and and like I said, my franchise fatigue is coloring a degree. We'll yeah. reevaluate when you know these books and comics come out. 
Yeah, yeah, because I think I think it'll be worthwhile for us to review um, because it is again the thing happening in Star Wars this year. Um, so I mean, like, well, here, Rob. I mean, we're going to get to a review of uh, of season seven of Clone Wars um, in a future episode. I mean, how are you? We're almost over. Isn't it almost done? We're yeah. How yeah. are you feeling? I think uh, I I haven't been enjoying it as much as I thought I would, to be honest with you, and that makes me kind of sad. What do you, what do you think's behind it? I mean, is it like the production levels high? Like what's, um, I don't know. I, 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 I have this, this, so I really enjoyed the bad batch arc, but I had already seen yeah, it. So right. there wasn't a whole lot of surprise involved with there. Cause you know, like there was only like a couple of small added scenes. They like with the one with Padme that they added in that was new yeah. to me. So, I mean, that's 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 on me for basically spoiling myself and, you know, whatever. Um, but this arc with Ahsoka and on Coruscant, I, I was expecting it to be, I don't know, just just more. And it just hasn't really been all that exciting. Um, yeah. I mean, certainly you've had a, had a lot of action, you know, in this last episode where they escape uh, from the pikes on Obadiah. But mm-hmm. and it was just it was just really weird how Bo-Katan just kind of shows up at the end and says hey get on the ship we're leaving it's yeah. i have this i have this see my my dread is 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 that the 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 siege of mandalore and which is what i've been looking forward to i'm sure everybody's looking forward to yep. my my dread is that it's going to it's going to be a rush job they spent oh, all this time yeah. they spent all this time on coruscant that they should have been dedicated more of that time towards the Siege of Mandalore. Because I understand it's like, what, there's only like one episode left, maybe two? Yeah, I think, I thought one, but yeah. Yeah, so they're supposed to do the Siege of Mandalore in one episode, yet we had four of these episodes on Coruscant? Ah, it should have been the other way around. Yeah, I mean, this this speaks to a larger issue, and, and it's an issue that, that we brought up with Picard as well. I mean, a lot of this like arc writing, people just aren't good at it. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, and, and it's not like Clone Wars was bad at it before they could do it, but yeah, I, I, I share, basically I'll just say, I share your sentiment. Like it hasn't been as exciting. And I don't know if that's because of episode nine, if it's because that has left such a terrible taste in my mouth. Um, that it's like, I just can't get excited about Clone Wars. I, I, I don't know. But yeah, I wanted a lot more. I mean, Siege of Mandalore could have been the whole goddamn season. Um, and it would have been solid. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. Well, anyway, yeah. we will get yeah. into a review of that in the future. Um, when, once that's finished, which I think would be a good thing uh, to, to do it as a, as a whole. Because that's how a lot of the writing is now, is everything is... And I'm not complaining about it. You just got to be able to do it right. Where, you know, like an entire season is an entire arc and, or, you know, there's like a whole feeling that you go for with the season. Anyway, I'm sure there's a bigger conversation we could have around that. I can think of some things coming to mind, but, uh, well, we can move on from that unless you got anything else, Rob. No, right on. So, well, I guess a little more star Wars, we'll get this in, uh, just hit today as of us recording. And that is, uh, well, I guess I'm getting a little bit of a birthday present and that is (laughs) on May 12th. Uh, Star Wars Episode One Racer uh, is coming out for is getting re-released 
for various systems, uh, various consoles that had maybe not seen it previously. Uh, it'll be coming out for the Switch, which I think that was kind of the big announcement. We mentioned this in previous episodes that it was coming, but we didn't realize how quickly it would be coming out. Um, I mean, I got to imagine doing, you know, re-releasing games right now is just easy money for these game dev houses or whoever owns the the, the licenses. Uh you know, just to get something out there and make money while everybody's working from home, you know? Uh, so which whatever, fine. Um, but it is going to come out on May 12th. It's supposed to be the initial comments about it that I read, which was a few weeks ago was that it was remastered, but you and I, Rob, we both looked at the screenshots in these stories that the announcement stories, and maybe they're not screenshots from, from the finished product. Uh, but they, it didn't look remastered at all, nor did I see a lot of new features. I mean, what are, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Well, not only that, I'm like sub subsequent articles that I've seen on it. Haven't really even mentioned it as a remaster. Right. So I'm just wondering if, you know, somebody just got that mixed up in their head, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't look, it doesn't look like the, the graphics have improved at all. Um, I'm, Probably, uh, other than the fact you, you'll be playing it at higher resolution than right. the, uh, the original release, at least if you were on consoles. Yeah, I mean, the part that scares me, I mean, I see two possibilities here. There's probably more, but I see at least two. One is, is that Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy, which has also been ported to consoles recently, um, I, I think certainly Jedi Academy has done pretty good money. That, that's that's the gist that I'm getting is that it has done good money on the consoles that it was released on to the point that they're actually coming out with patches pretty quickly for it. Of course, there's other reasons behind that because PC players <laughs> were cracking into uh, multiplayer sessions uh, for Switch. And, and I, I think it's hilarious in itself because I've said for years, like I, I did not understand why are people playing all of these first person shooters or whatever on consoles when nothing compares to the control scheme of keyboard and mouse, nothing compares to that. The precision is just a whole other level. And that was the problem that was happening with Jedi Academy was that, uh, basically PC people who own the PC version of the game were cracking into, uh, switch matches and you just don't have the same precision of controls on the Nintendo right. switch that you do on a PC. And so they're wiping the floor with everybody. I was even playing some multiplayer and I'm, you know, this is definitely one of my top games and I was getting my ass kicked. And a part of me wondered, it's like, oh, I wonder if they were some PC gamers, which, Hey, you know, good for you. Like <laughs> I, I don't have an ego to bruise in that sense. I, I, I congratulate you for, for pulling that off. Um, but they've patched that apparently now, anyway, regardless, you know, they didn't do a remastering really of, um, uh, of Jedi Academy or Jedi outcast, which also came out last year. Uh, so maybe they just felt like, well, shit, nobody cares. They buy the game anyway. So we're not going to do a full remastering or right. the other part that I, or the other possibility that I don't like, and I'm a little peeved about with the game that I fucking love. I mean, I'm glad it's going to be out there, but I, I'm worried they might double dip meaning that uh, a few months ago, GOG released finally Blade Runner for PC, which right. is a 90s classic. About a month ago, it was announced, and now we're going to, again, that was a few months ago when they first finally released it. There was varying issues with the code of the game, blah, 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 whatever. That's, that's a whole other story. But now 
they're going to remaster the game and they're going to resell it again. And I'm like, ah. it felt like a double dip. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, I've had that complaints somewhat in the past with, um, uh, the, there's a company called beam dog that did re-releases yep. of, uh, the various dungeons and dragons games from, the uh from the 90s yeah Baldur's gate for yeah games, yeah Baldur's yeah. gate planescape all those great games and yeah. you know i mean and but they didn't really improve much on them in fact mm-hmm. it, it, it's been it's been argued that they they introduced more bugs than than what they added to it <laughs> <laughs> right i i hear that so that, i guess that's part of what i'm worried about as well is that well Later this year, they'll re-release Episode One Racer again, and it'll be completely remastered. It's like, oh, what the fuck? I'll tell you, you know? if, if they want to do something, what they really should do, and this would make me tickle pink, is if they re-released and ported Racer Revenge to all of the consoles, and especially the PC, which never got it. Right. Uh, but yeah. even if they, didn't, if they put Racer Revenge on the Switch, that would be like a reason for me to buy the Switch. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Um, because basically that game has only existed on the PlayStation 2. It's one of the reasons I still have a PlayStation 2, because the game is that good. It's, yeah, and that's Racers, what I heard about it, and I never right. got to play it, because I didn't right. have a PlayStation 2. Right, I mean, Racer is a great game, so I'm glad it's getting re-released, and I know you'd say the same, Rob, yeah. um, You know, for more people to play it. Maybe that'll end up happening. Yeah, I agree with you. You can play it on like the PS3 or PS4 in the PlayStation shop, but... Uh, I'm not going there. That's, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> you know, not enough. If you're gonna, no, I mean, here's my threshold with consoles, right? If you're going to charge me over 400 bucks for a console, um, I'm just going to go buy a gaming PC. Like, cause then you're yeah. getting into gaming PC price range, you right. know, and yeah. you know, Nintendo wins still as a console because they sell for sub 300, you know, especially, and, and, and that's, especially this late in the lifespan of the current generation of consoles, because right. we're supposed to be getting PlayStation fives and a new Xbox, you know, late this year, early next year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. So, well, anyway, uh, that is coming May 12th. Uh, I don't know what the price is going to be. I was amazed at how expensive Jedi Academy was. I think they charged, I think it was 20 or 25 bucks or something like that. I think it was 20. Um, which I thought that was high because Jedi yeah. outcast was only 10. Um, but well, anyway, if you want, really want to spend some money on those games, limited run games is finally putting those out on a physical release, uh, both Jedi outcast and Jedi Academy. Um, what is it? April 24th, Rob, is that when they are, I believe that was the date. Yeah. That they're, that they're going up for sale. Yeah. You yeah, won't get I think them. That's... You won't get the physical copies until much, much later, but yeah. Right. Right. Um, Still no TIE Fighter. <laughs> uh, Which, yeah, I think they're just going to save best for last. They're probably going to do the same thing they did here, and they're going to release X-Wing and TIE Fighter at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind. I mean, they won't do it. Well, I don't know. Okay, because I know Limited Run Games is making for Switch and PS4, not for PC, but for Switch and PS4, they are making um, dual packs available physical dual packs of Jedi mm-hmm. outcast and Jedi Academy. Right. Uh, I mean, if there was a dual pack somehow of X-Wing and TIE fighter, fuck, I mean, you know, put $300 on that thing. And I, I think it'd be worth the asking price, but uh, anyway, we'll see, we'll yeah. see what they end up doing. Yeah. That. I, I mean, it's, it's going to be an instant buy for me, no matter what. Yep. 
but yeah, yeah, it's I, I, I think they 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 know that that's the one everybody's been waiting for, and they 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 are they're saving the best for last. Yeah, yeah. So I don't yeah. know if I mean, there are already... any other Star Wars games that were on that list, that initial list of games that they said they were going to do. Um, because I think I think we're getting close to the end of that list now. So possibly before the end of the year, we'll see that. Yeah, because I think they said that like the PC releases specifically is going to be like a series of eight games, and Outcast and Academy is going to bring them up to four, if I'm not mistaken. So if you're going to do the rest of the Tie Fighter series or the X-wing series, which Tie Fighter would be a part of, I mean, you basically run out of games unless you're going to do Knights of the Old Republic or something. I don't know. Uh, but well, anyway, when those come out, I hear you day one by, as far as tie fighter, uh, for sure. I actually, I warned, um, the local bank. I said, I'll probably rob them if I have to, uh, to make sure I get that. <laughs> so, so they're aware and you know, anyway, <laughs> and the manager understood they're like, Oh, tie fighter. Well, of course <laughs> back here, take a little more Buy two. <laughs> well, did they, did they already do, um, the, um, the Rebel Assault games? Yeah, Rebel Assault, they did put this out, um, but it was for Sega CD. They did not release the PC version of that, which, which is, is odd also because interesting. I'm, yeah, I'm looking at the, the, the announcement on their website when they, you know, of their lineup of these games that they're going to do, and it says right here, Rebel Assault PC. Oh, that is weird. Okay. Yeah. So... And after hmm. that, that's that's all right. uh, all, the only thing that's left are X-Wing and TIE Fighter. Yeah, so we got to be getting to the end of that list. Yeah, uh, maybe they're going to maybe they're going to do the Rebel Salt series for PC and then they'll just do X-Wing and TIE Fighter. Yeah. Um, is, is Alliance on that list? Nope. Yeah, they're not doing Alliance. They're just doing the original X-Wing and the original TIE Fighter, which I assume would probably be the um, the collector CD-ROM versions. Yeah. yeah. Now the yeah, question, yeah, yeah. The, the interesting thing is, is whether it would be um, the '94 collector CD or the '98 collector CD because they changed. Yes. Uh, there's different music and slightly different graphics between those two versions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would not be surprised if they do '98, um, which because that was part of originally that was part of a three pack, right? Um, well, no, they, they did release them individually and then they also had a three pack. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That will be interesting to see what there were two different three packs. There was a, uh, there was a, uh, a three pack with, uh, X-Wing TIE fighter and, um, X-Wing versus TIE fighter. And then there was the X-Wing trilogy, which was X-Wing TIE fighter and X-Wing Alliance. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, when those drop, we're certainly going to be talking about them. That's for sure. Um, I mean, how do you feel about like the collection? They so you you got your hands on, or I mean, you pre-ordered Dark Forces and Dark Forces Two, right? Yes. Like I, I mean, you you were impressed with what you're getting with those, like with, um, with what they included. I wouldn't say I was impressed. I was satisfied with yeah, what they were uh-huh. including. Um, and it, it was at a lower price point than some of the uh, things that they had released. It was it was actually ten dollars less than like Bounty Hunter or um, uh, Episode One Racer. So oh, okay, 
yeah. you know, it was it was it was a good value in my opinion for for what they're offering. Um, and not only that, like like after X Wing and Tie Fighter, uh, Dark Forces and Jedi Knight are my favorite, you know, Star Wars games. Yeah, yeah. No, I I hear that. Um, yeah, that's kind of why I was tempted for Jedi Academy because under Tie Fighter, like Jedi Academy sits right there. Yeah. Right under that is probably Racer Revenge. I, I I love that game. <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna bring we're gonna bring Rob over. Rob and I are gonna break out the PS2. I've got it sitting right here in the studio, and <laughs> we're we're gonna jam that game at some point. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so all right. Well, these things are are on their way. Uh, I will be picking up the Switch version of Racer Day One when that comes out. Uh, and I'll certainly give a little bit of a review on TIE Fighter Renegades about it. So anyway, uh, do you want to move on to our, our next story, Ron? Let's do it. All right. So this is one, like I said, we basically called a, an audible on because my mind was fucking blown. And this is breaking news, folks, from April 15th, 2020 uh, from Boing Boing. And that is Yafet, uh, Yafet Kato. Oh. I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, Yafet uh, Kato. Kato. That's it. Thank you. Kodo. Turn down Sorry. the role. Kato. Right. There we go. All right. <laughs> uh, he turned down the role <laughs> of John Luke Picard uh, in Star Trek The Next Generation back in 87. Um, this is mind-blowing to me. Now, most people will remember him from, uh, he wasn't Dallas. That wasn't Dallas from Alien. No, uh, no. Uh, Parker from Parker, Alien. Right, right. And definitely the comic relief in the movie. He was great. <laughs> um this, this is amazing to me that, that he was, he was going to be, he, he was kind of first choice. Uh, yeah. And, and, and Barry was right on top of this. He, he wanted it to happen. And wow. I, I, I mean, Gene, I can totally believe that Gene Roddenberry would absolutely have a black actor taking the lead role. And of course, you know, Avery Brooks would in the subsequent series, D space nine, Gene Roddenberry was in control of the show at the time to where I think he could make more of this call. I got to well, believe though, that the go, go ahead, Rob. Wasn't he initially against Patrick Stewart playing the role from what yeah, I, heard? I think I've heard that. Yep. Yeah. I think yeah. I've heard that, which I I'm not exactly sure. I don't recall what was behind that. I mean, you know, I, I gotta tell you two weeks ago. Oh no. Two months ago. Let's say. Two months ago, if I had heard this, I would have said, well, gee, I think they made the, you're, you know, like, like, yeah, bring on Patrick Stewart. I'm, I'm glad they went with Patrick Stewart. But now I'm kind of like, no, you know, I wouldn't have minded of seeing this. I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind seeing this. This, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this would have been all right. And, and, you know, because I mean, talk about franchise fatigue or just disillusionment. Like I, I'm still so disillusioned with, with Picard, the show. And that has seeped into my disillusionment with the actor himself. I, I'm still just baffled at how yeah. that flying turd got made. I just you don't know, know. You know, so before we started the show, I was telling Brian how, like, you know, I've been spending a lot of my time um, uh, recovering some some lost data on my hard drive, and one of the things that uh, uh, I lost was Star Trek: The Next Generation. So obviously, I re-downloaded that. But um, I needed to make room on this drive because I was running out of space. And if you would have told me, you know, a couple of years ago 
that I would have, you know, deleted a Star Trek show from my hard drive, I wouldn't have believed you. But it was an easy decision. I just wiped the card <laughs> from my hard drive. It's gone because I don't plan on ever watching it again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> funny thing. Uh, I actually just as of today, like now basically have all of Star Trek on disc, uh, Blu-ray or DVD. I had Discovery Season 1 <laughs> on Blu-ray. <laughs> but let me be clear here. I had <laughs> Discovery Season 1 on Blu-ray. <laughs> I will never, ever, I, I just, well, I shouldn't say that. But for what it's worth, I will not buy that show again. Like, I, I there's... It is fan fiction straight up. And, mm. and, and, and in fact, it's, it's a lower life form than that because I have burned Blu-rays of supposed fan fiction uh, that like Star Trek continues and so on, which is actually great Star Trek. Um, yeah, no, I, I hear you, man. A hundred percent that, and I'm not going to buy Picard on Blu-ray. I, I no. just, I'm not interested. I don't give no. a shit. No. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, it, it actually, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> There's there's another thing that came up this week too is uh so there's there's a guy's YouTube channel and he's um introducing blooper scenes into like editing them into the ep- regular part of the episodes and so uh-huh. using those blooper takes and then just cutting it to West, like you know people like playing it straight afterwards yeah and like <laughs> one of the really good ones is, is they did one uh from from all good things and uh it's you know at the near the end of the episode when they're like trying to converge that spatial anomaly and the ship's about to blow up and there's a scene where <laughs> where Brent Spiner uh as is, is playing Dane and he's you know back on the console back on the future enterprise E and just as the ex- uh the ship is about to explode he puts up his arm and goes ai <laughs> and that is now my headcanon for how data died <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Oh man, uh, yeah. You know the comparisons to like Bicentennial Man, which is a great movie, by the way, folks. If you've never, and a great uh, uh, story too by Isaac Asimov. But if you've never seen that movie, the comparison to like Data, Data's death, and Bicentennial Man that people have been making is very interesting as well. Um, which is ironic because that show made fun of Asimov, but. Anyway, <laughs> you know, there's something else interesting on this call sheet that I just noticed. Is that about Denise Crosby? Yeah. 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 Which Denise Crosby would play uh, Tasha Yar, but she was right. originally up for, and I didn't know this either. She was up for um, uh, playing Troy. And she's the only person on the list for that character. Yeah. And that's, she's not, not, not anywhere on the list for Tasha. There's a bunch of other actresses uh, uh, listed there for Tasha, but she's not on it. That's, you know, it's real. Uh, I could tell. I'm all right. It's dumb of me to say, but whatever. So I don't have to edit later. I'm just going to say this. I could tell stories about Denise Crosby because she was very infamous on the convention circuit. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. And uh, whoo, I, <laughs> uh, when I was a younger man. <laughs> It, all right, I, I'm just going to say this and let people read it wherever they want. It got close, and that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. 
That's all I'm going to say. Now, uh, I never heard that story before, and I'm amazed she never talked about it. I bet she has somewhere, yeah. and I just and I just missed it. Um, but that's incredible. Yeah, I, I read that too on the call sheet. Um, but and 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 Reggie Jackson for Jordy. I mean, like there, there's mm-hmm. some interesting there's some interesting choices here beyond uh, uh, Yafik Koto. Um, but I mean, well, well, I mean, let's I guess let, let's circle back on this. How do you feel the show would have been, Rob? I mean, do, you know, do you think it could have? It's hard to imagine it being a better show, but I mean, what do you think would be different about it? I mean, that's hard to say. I mean, this mm-hmm. is one of those instances where, like, um, I really wish I had, you know, like the the technology that they had from that show Fringe, where you could peer into an alternate reality version yeah, or like of our sliders. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would want to just, I just want to look at it. I wouldn't actually necessarily want to visit, you know, mm-hmm. uh, another version of reality. Uh, of course, you know, no, I have to take that back because we are living in the worst possible timeline right now. So, I mean, if there's a timeline out there where Star Trek Discovery and Picard didn't happen, uh, you might get me to jump shit from this universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take me away, Baron Steen Bears. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, another uh, another name that stands out to me is uh Kevin Peter Hall. They they were going to cast possibly for both Data or Jordy. Yeah. And he passed away, I think shortly before they started filming this. Yeah. You know, mm, Yeah, this is this is one of those things where like I I have uh, you know, my favorite show ever, Babylon 5, okay? And it does sit above Star Trek for me. Um, and I've made this comment similarly before, and I, I don't relish in anybody's death at all, but I am, when I was originally saddened when varying actors like Andreas Katsoulis and others would die who were in Babylon five and had such pivotal roles and were such tremendous actors also. Um, now I'm like, no, you know what? Cause they, they can't tarnish these, these guys you know, these guys and gals, they can't harness them now. Uh, yeah. you know, like, yeah. <laughs> at least not until CGI gets past its uncanny, uncanny Valley, I guess. Um, and I hate saying that, you know, but like there, there's a part of me, I don't know, that wishes the stars aligned in such a way that, that like Picard and some other things just couldn't have gotten made because it, it, it's just, it's, it's just so bad. Um, is, is your still alive? Is he, I think no. I think he passed no? away like I don't know four or five years ago. Wow. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's hard to say what it what it would be like. Um, it would definitely be very different. I don't think we'd get the great speeches that we would have necessarily gotten. I I just I don't know. I have a hard time picturing them getting delivered. Uh, so it it would have been a different animal. That that's that's for sure. Uh, but very very interesting. Oh, um, in fact, actually, go ahead. Maybe he is still is he, alive. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. He's getting up there. He's like 80. Okay. All right. All right. Well, they could have tarnished him. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Um, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I, I mean, we were, we were talking before we started recording. Um, like, this isn't the only time this has happened with, uh, uh, with Star Trek, where with Voyager, originally, uh, Genevieve, Bojul was going to play the character of Captain Janeway. It was not, um, uh, well, totally blanking here. <laughs> it was <laughs> Kate Mulgrew. 
Kay Mulgrew. I was going to say Catherine Hepburn, but that's who <laughs> that she would have been interesting. Whoa! Well, well Kay Mulgrew played. Yeah, well, it would have been awesome. But Kate Mulgrew played Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Uh, and, and anyway, that that and did a tremendous job. I mean, Kate Mulgrew is amazing. Um, in fact, like I was totally on board with the idea uh, of her even like taking over as Princess Leia. But whatever, that's. We'll move on from that. Uh, but Gen- Genevieve Beaujoule originally was going to, you know, and to the point that they had done, they were filming with her as Janeway in the pilot episode. Uh, isn't that right, Rob? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I understand it. Like, like they, I think they actually finished the pilot episode with her and then they reshot the entire episode with Kate Mulgrew. Boy, I'd love to see that footage. Uh, I mean, still you can't find like, snippets of it on YouTube. Right. Right. This is one of those cases where if like you wanted it to appear into that alternate reality, you could go find it on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they did write with Kate Mulgrew and then I really can't see other than the, the great look that Genevieve Bojul brings. I can't really see anybody else doing that. That's right. Re- you know, yeah. actually just, just on the, you know, the, the terms of like comparing the performances. And I think the the YouTube video does kind of like, it shows one, and then it shows the one with Kate Mulgrew. I, I, I do have to say, and this is no shade at you know Genevieve, but like M- Kate Mulgrew's performance was much stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to argue against that. In fact, you know, I want to bring up quick. Um, actually, recently, like I mentioned, how I have now, I have like all of Star Trek on disc, or at least all of um, the actual canon of Star Trek, none of the fan fiction, and um, the the box set. For Voyager, this is a lost art, man, because, and I, th- I thought this was so brilliant and I have the box set for DS nine as well. And they didn't do this at all because there's artwork that continues into the interior of mm-hmm. Voyager into the interior of the box and the box the, of the complete set is a, is more or less a cube. I mean, it's, it's almost a perfect square or, you know, a cube, um, and inside the box, the artwork goes in and there's the shadow of the Borg Queen in the back of the box. You can't see that unless you actually take the fucking discs, like the, 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 the sleeves completely out. This was such a fanboy move in my opinion. And I love it because basically you have the Borg Queen in the cube, right? Like, I mean, I mean, yeah. it's such a simple idea, but, oh, we, we, you know, people used to give that much of a shit about Star Trek that yeah, yeah. like. I mean, I just say packaging design in general has kind of gone downhill in the last, you know, 10, 20 years. Yeah. 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 Again, it's interesting because I don't think you you think they would have put more thought into the D space nine packaging, right? Because that was more popular than Voyager. I think that's fair to say. I don't know. I mean, like, I I think that's, that's true now, but back Mm -hmm. then, um, Deep Space Nine was 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 really kind of like for a long time was the redhead redhead stepchild of Star Trek. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I was just again, I thought that that was such a brilliant little thing to include. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and you've got to you've got to get it. Like you've got to think about it for a second for it to make sense. Um. So I, yeah, I thought that, that that was really cool. But anyway, that, that's that's just uh, just an aside. So yeah, this could have been a very interesting alternate universe uh, with uh, with a very different Captain Picard. Um, it still would have made sense for him to be Jean Luc Picard because he still could have played like a you know uh, a, you know a black French character that I think right. would have been really cool. Right. Um, 
I mean, that, that would have fit completely, you know, uh, well, anyway, yeah, I'm not sure what more to say on it. Just that, that, that could have been really, really, really interesting, uh, to, to, to check out. And, you know, even actually in the same year in 87, we did get basically our first black captain, which was the captain at the beginning of, uh, of star Trek four of the voyage home, um, and right. a woman at that, uh, also, which I thought was great. So well, I guess Gene got his way in in some way, but <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, so, there was uh, there was an Indian captain too on Star Trek that, Four. Yeah. Oh yes, yes, yes. No, I do remember. Right, he's the one. He, he's like running out of air, he right? Can barely yeah. breathe, and he's transmitting right. at the San Francisco base. Yes, yep. I remember that. Yeah, that was. Yeah, little things like that. I think very ahead of their time in Star Trek, and I think those were. Even though I know now that in a lot of the movies, Gene didn't have a lot of say. Uh, I think they kind of, they tried to appease the, uh, uh, the man in the castle and, you know, they do little things like that. That had to be his idea. Cause I can't picture anybody else on the production team that would have, you know, given that much of a crap. Right. Um, well, I mean, so, you just look at the, the, the motion picture and that whole scene where, you know, uh, uh, Captain Kirk is like addressing the crew of the enterprise in that huge, you know, like hall that they have. And just the, the diversity in that scene alone is like yeah. highly representative, like, you know, like of Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, well, you know, I mean, we, we can think about it. It's interesting. Uh, but, uh, well, well, I guess we'll never really know what that could have uh, could have looked like. I mean, there's a chance because next gen was in a little bit of trouble at season two. And, you know, maybe the show wouldn't have gone on. Uh, I mean, best of both worlds saved that show. I mean, there's other great episodes in season three, but that's what had everybody talking. Yeah. Um, And then that's. I mean, they were going through a lot of cast changes, you know. I mean, they they got rid of Dr. Crusher and brought another actress. And then they got rid of Tasha. And, yeah, I mean, Star Trek kind of has history with this. Kind of the same thing with Voyager, yeah. how they got rid of Kess and, you know, brought in Seven of Nine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, amazing that Star Trek does keep rolling on. I mean, that's the strength of the internal, of the 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 internal consistency, the the integrity. So, yeah, yeah you're right. Star Trek has a history of that, of changing up cast quite a bit. Um, and, and it thrives uh, in that, too, you know. I mean, when we got Worf on DS9, dynamite. Actually, I, you know, I heard an interesting, um, I mean, it's rumor, rumor and innuendo, as it were, that uh, CBS is literally hemorrhaging money on Star Trek. Like, they are in trouble. Um, yeah, and they might have to sell off the franchise. What's that? I said it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, could, I can believe it. And frankly, if it happened, great. as long as Disney doesn't buy it, but great. Like, yeah, somebody Ugh. buys Star Trek. Yeah. I know. Well, that's the problem. They're the ones who'd be first in line and they've got the money. Like who's right. going to beat out Disney, you know, right. for, for buying Star Trek. Um, I mean, it, what Fox? No, sorry. Fox fucking is owned by Disney now. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's not good. Uh, so no, no. you have to get some French company to come in some, some like conglomerate. Tell you what the EU can buy Star Trek. Okay. Fuck the EU, but the EU itself can buy Star Trek and that'd be fine. <laughs> or maybe Toho. That'd be interesting. Love to see that. I don't know if we'd ever get a Godzilla crossover, but that'd be interesting. I'm like, I'm trying to think of who I'd want to own Star Trek, and I'm like, I can't think of 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 anything. Yeah, no, no, 
yeah, I mean, at this point, you almost just kind of want Star Trek to 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 stop for a while. Yeah, no, I, yeah, Star Trek can can actually it can take a permanent break. Um, it doesn't yeah. have to come back. At yeah, all. there's there's I mean, plenty to watch. Right, right. Um, that's sad, yeah. but I mean, that's just just the way we feel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it, and what's really sad is is that like this is this is the time where Star Trek could have been that much better than Star Wars, and it just, I mean, I'll watch Rise of Skywalker twenty times before I watch Picard again. I mean, are you kidding me? Like that? <laughs> yeah, and I don't even want to watch that. But I mean, yeah, I I I I I can understand that. No. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we can move on from that. Yeah, <laughs> probably best to because we we'll just complain for. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll just compl- we'll just keep complaining. Well, why don't we get into? Uh, I mean, this is meant to be free flowing, but whatever. We've got a we've got a next conversation to get into. In fact, I just mentioned Leto the second, which points at what we're going to talk about next, and that is none other than one of our top franchises of all time. Uh, might even be Rob's favorite, but that being yeah, Dune, it's up there. Dune is the franchise that. Uh, well, we're going to see how well it's going to do because we have a two-parter a two or a two film. And it's, this is, we're talking theatrical release supposed to be coming December was December 18th, 2020. We have not heard that this has been pushed back or canceled. Um, this is supposed to still be happening and they're that far along in production, at least of the first movie to where it can. And we actually got shared in the uh, Telegram, which you can, if you go to tiefighter.xyz, you can find a link for the Telegram group there to join it. But we got shared um, a link from Vanity Fair where they're doing a full expose on, uh, or whatever you want to call it, a full feature on, you know, on the upcoming Denise Villeneuve. Now, again, they made it very clear that this is getting split into two movies. Uh, and I think that's fine because really it's three books in one and it literally is three books in one. In fact, when it first came out, it was, what did it come out? Like six parts in, uh, yeah, analog in magazine? yeah, it was something yeah. like that. Yeah. It was in analog. I, I, they, they even, they did split it up into three books in the, in the, um, in the magazines, but it was spread across, like you said, I think six issues. Right. Yeah, so, you know, it being a couple movies, I mean, I have no problem with that. Denise Villeneuve, I, I know Rob has a different opinion of this. I liked Blade Runner 2049. I thought that was a fine, fine film, and he was behind that. Brian um, likes it more than I did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad film, but, um, right. yeah, it's it's not up there for me. It, what, it You have to understand, like, like, Brian mentions, you know, uh, uh, Dune being one of my favorite franchise. The other one that's really high up there is Blade Runner. And Blade Runner is one of those movies that's so damn good that mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I would prefer that they had left it alone. Like, I don't even know, I don't want any movies. I don't want comic books. I don't want, you know, like the, the, uh, uh, JW, uh, or KW Jeter, or is, is that his name? Yeah, KW Jeter. Yeah. Yeah, Jeter. Uh, you know, he wrote some pretty good sequel novels, but, yes, uh, even, even then, um, like it's just kind of like the, to me, those are in a separate universe than right. the original Blade Runner movie. Yeah, well, Jeter did weird things because he tried to bring in the not the Philip K. Dick novel and the movie into right. one universe. Right. Uh, yeah. Which was, I mean, 
I think I think and, and actually I know KW Jeter. I think he's a fine writer. Um a great writer actually, even though he's a, gets a little on the militaristic side. But um but he he's he's good. I mean he did a good right. job with those. Right. I agree with you. And he and he in you know, if anyone was gonna do it, you know, he was one of the people that you you had sort of like the credit to do it because he was actually friends with Philip K. Dick. Right. Yes, absolutely. Um well let me ask you this, Rob. So I mean we've got this movie, it's obviously got I don't know what the budget numbers are. It's got to be having a massive budget, uh, you know, being brought in on it. Um, who, who's the company behind it? Oh, Warner Brothers. Okay. Well, don't let Warner Brothers get Star Trek either. But regardless, uh, <laughs> uh, hell, uh, though, I, I mean, Warner Brothers did make Babylon 5 a thing. I have to give them that. Um, but when you heard that Denise Villeneuve, because I don't think we've talked about this. When you heard that Denise Villeneuve was going to be behind the new dune how did you feel about that um i was like cautiously optimistic and Mm -hmm. uh understand like i was more coming from uh being impressed with his work on the movie arrival which oh yeah um this was yeah very good film not only that uh it was one of those films that pulled off characters doing uh you know internal dialogue right and you don't even really notice it or have a problem with it whereas most people most movies that did do this including the the original david lynch version of dune and blade runner the original blade runner uh Mm -hmm. you know people had huge problems with the this sort of internal dialogue but this is not a criticism that gets you know uh uh, put against arrival which you know they they did it very tastefully and so anytime somebody says you know like oh i don't want internal dialogue in my movies i kind of point at arrival as you know one of those instances where it can be done very well and very tastefully yeah yeah uh and and actually arrival was one of my confidence points with villeneuve as well because that is a movie that can actually handle the truly alien Right. And with Dune, when you get in the uh, the Guild Navigators and so on, I think that's exactly what you truly non-human, I should say more specifically. Uh, or, or, I mean, they're still, well, anyway, we don't have to get into that, but they're beyond human, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so I felt, I felt confident about that. Yeah, same here. Like, I was like, okay, no, if, if there's somebody, some big name director you're going to get, yeah, let's, let's go with him. That's fine. Um, how do you feel about it being split into two films? Um, I'm fine with that. In fact, um, like even with David Lynch's Dune, even though he took his name off of it, um, you know, I, I, they did a four hour cut of that movie. Yeah. And it was there. And some places in that four hour cut, it was a little too long, but overall I think it was an improvement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And weren't they making Dune Messiah? Didn't they have that kind of lined up? That, that they were going to be making two movies at a, at a time. Mm, I haven't heard about that. I mean, the only uh, one that really touched Dune Messiah was, of course, the uh, the sci-fi miniseries, in which they basically combined Children of Dune and Dune Messiah into one movie or one miniseries. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well. Anyway. Um, all right. Well, while I'm asking the questions of how do we feel about, I'm going to keep going down this. All right, because we have somewhat of a cast list. Uh, in fact, kind of a notable omission is there's nobody playing Fade Roth, uh, which I'm going to guess maybe we don't get introduced to him until the second, because I thought that was that was weird that they didn't have anybody listed. We know who's playing, and it's a good, in my opinion, it's a good choice. They have Dave Batista, 
uh, doing Raban, which I think he's just yeah. a force on screen. Um, yes. And in the wrestling world, if you're a wrestling fan, <laughs> but, uh, but he's, he is an absolute force on screen. So I thought that was a great choice and has worked with Villeneuve before he's in Blade Runner 2049. Right. Um, how do you feel about, I think this is the biggest one. How do you feel about Oscar Isaac as Duke Leto Atreides? I think he can do it. I think he can pull it off, uh, especially with these pictures they showed. Um, he's got he's got the right look. You think so? Yeah, I do. All right. I this mean, just, I mean, Go like ahead. he he just he does kind of have sort of a noble bearing to him that I buy. Yeah i i I think Oscar Isaac's a great actor. Um, I mean, Poe Dameron's one of the somewhat better things that we've ever gotten. Um, and I think it's comes from his strength of character, uh, or as an actor, I, I don't know. I, I looked at it and I, and it just didn't, I mean, I don't know how you best Jurgen Prochnow. Like you just don't. Cause talk about a guy that has a fucking presence well, right, when he's on screen. There, there's a lot of things from 84 Dune that you can't best. And yeah, I, yeah, I don't like, disagree with you. Yeah, maybe, and and you know, may, may, I may, may, maybe it's the beard. I don't know. Maybe that's <laughs> I'm, it. I'm a little beard. I'm a little biased, possibly. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, so, well, but here's the thing. Here's what concerns me is that so you know, yes, Jurgen Prochnow played him in the '84 Dune. We got William Hurt, who was kind of the only big name actor in uh, Frank Herbert's Dune that Sci-Fi did in 2000. Or well, 50, you also had sorry. Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Well, well, and she was in Children of Dune, not not in the first, not in the first yeah, miniseries. That's true, right? So, I mean, you had good actors in there. I'm not saying that, but William Hurt's a great actor, and I think he totally dropped the ball in that movie. Like, yeah, I, you, you know. So that's that. I think that's where my trepidation might be coming in. So I recognize Oscar Isaac's a great fucking actor, uh, but. I, I, that doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to be able to pull off this character. So I, yeah, I don't know about that one. Okay. But I you, mean, so we're, go ahead. I'll tell you who I'm, I'm kind of more concerned about is, is, uh, uh, Josh Brolin as Gurney Halick. I, yeah. I don't buy that at all. Yep. Same, same. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Uh, here's, well, <laughs> I mean, I'll keep asking you, but you're going to find the response from me is, uh, uh-uh. uh, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not buying anybody. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson is lady Jessica. Yeah. I don't really know her work. So I mean, here, here's the thing. Like I can look at Francesca Anna for one second yeah. and I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's lady Jessica. Right. It, because I mean, she just oozes power. And, and, you know, and, and so much else. I mean, she, I mean, just incredible. And I don't I, get that at all with this character, with, with Rebecca no, Ferguson. But. Not, not only that. And, and so at the headline of this article from uh, Vanity Fair, that reading, they show a picture of uh, the two actors playing, you know, uh, Paul Atreides and Jessica standing next to each other. And my first reaction to seeing this picture is like, wait uh, who is that like his older sister or something like oh yeah yeah she looks very young yeah she looks i mean she she does not look like she's had a kid i'm sorry right 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 uh no i i I totally agree with you on that um i'm actually i'm I'm just looking at it now as well and boy you know all right let's get this in here those still suits (laughs) Uh, uh. (laughs) rob's head just sunk (laughs) 
What do you got, man? <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'll just say what I said to you uh, on, <laughs> on Telegram earlier this week is when I saw this picture, uh, first came thinking to my mind was, oh, Dune Motocross Edition. Because <laughs> that's what these still suits look like is they just, you know, slapped in some, you know, motocross, you know, dirt biking gear on these guys. Like, especially, I mean, those gloves, they're awful. They're awful. Oh, the, the gloves. I could buy those gloves on Amazon. Exactly. I mean, literally, those those are just those are are, are simple SAP tactical gloves. I mean, like hell, I I've worn gloves like that. That that oh, it's it's yeah. I I, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, and, um, and well, I'm glad that they that they've got the masks and the hoods because yeah. those were in the books, and that seems right. to the thing that they always leave out in these adaptations. But yeah. here again, that just it it it. It looks like a mask that you would you would use, you know, while you're driving around on a dirt bike. Yeah, I'm yeah. on a foot stop, an inch, you know, a, a picture of, of a guy on a dirt bike, you know, doing, you know, jumping a hill or something in the background, because that's what it looks <laughs> like. Yeah, I, I was. I mean, let, let's let's just say it, and you're kind of. I don't know if, if you had said this earlier or if it was before we were recording. I think it was before we were recording, and I, I well. I'll let you make the point. I mean, I'll, I'll just say this. Nothing, nothing has matched the incredible look of the still suits in the 84 Dune. Nothing's come even close. No, Those looks. Go ahead. Nothing has matched in just the, the entire design of that yeah. movie. I mean, the sets, the, the map paintings, the designs of the, the, the ships and the costume design, everything in that movie is just the absolute top tier of what Hollywood is capable of. And nobody has topped it since. Nobody. I totally agree. Star Wars isn't even that cool. There's, no. not, there's not a no. thing in Return of the Jedi or Empire that matches the gorgeous look I I mean, mean, of, of that. You, you have to go backwards in time to stuff like Cleopatra and Ben-Hur yeah. to find set design and costume design this good. Yes. Yes. I, I just want to praise brother. <laughs> I, I totally agree. People, people don't get this about the 84 Dune. Like it is such a visual spectacle, regardless of any confusion you might have with the story or anything. You have never seen anything like it before or since. And I think that that, that still holds true for Ben-Hur, which has also had many failed remakes. Um, I mean, Cleopatra, just one of the greatest films, if not the of all time. And I mean, but that's the only thing you can compare the 84 Dune to. Yeah. And everything I am seeing in this article is in no way inspires that kind of feeling. No. When people, here, you got to understand, like when I was reading, when I was growing up, okay, and I was reading Starlog, I didn't know, I didn't know shit about Dune. Didn't know a damn thing. And, but I can remember just my eye being absolutely drawn to the, to like, wow, that looks so cool. The design is amazing. You know, even as a very young person and none of this is doing that for me. I to mean, this just, day, I still like, I'll see a picture. Go ahead. Just, just from the way that movie starts where you're in the emperor's throne room, that whole mm -hmm. set is just a visual feast and all the just out outlandish and brilliant costume okay i'm sorry there there is um another movie 
that I think that kind of lives up to that level of kind of set design and and mm-hmm. and visual design, and that was um, the cell. Do you remember oh, that movie, fuck. Brian? Yes, with uh, with uh, J Lo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there was oh, another that, that, movie that that director did. I uh, oh, God, I'm trying to remember the the. Um, oh. Well, it's not coming to right now, but he did another movie too that was 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 at that level too. And this is like this is the only guy really in Hollywood who I I think would have been capable of, of pulling off a a proper sort of like visual lineage from the '84 Dune. Well, if if you want, look him up quick. I'm going to tell a quick story about that to prove your point about the cell. The first time I saw this, I, in my opinion, this is a fucked up movie. I'm not necessarily recommending people watch it, but yeah. just to prove um, the, and it, I mean, it, it's a very, like, very weird film. Uh, not, not in, like the cool way, but <laughs> I mean, for some people, I know it's their taste. Anyway, the first time I ever saw this, I was at a party and there was no sound and you couldn't hear shit anyway, because like, you know, the party, it's a party, like, you know, there's music and everything going yeah. on, whatever. I couldn't take my eyes off of the screen because what was happening was so visually gripping in that movie uh, that even without the sound, I, my mind was just blown. I'm like, wow, what was going on? And I had to go. I bought the DVD afterwards, kind of regretted that, but I will give it that. It is a visually stunning film. It yeah. really is. Uh, and J-Lo and did good work, by the way. A, but, a better movie anyway. from the same director is named Terrorism Singh, or I, okay. I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong uh, mm-hmm. but from 2006 the fall oh yeah 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 okay yep yep oh that makes sense yeah boy, yeah. they should bring him on for this yeah totally right. no kidding no kidding totally right totally right well anyway uh i i guess why don't we get to i mean was was there anybody let me or here let's let's ask about shani uh you have zendaya i don't know who the hell that is i apologize that's no slight to anybody you get she a was, look at her. What do you got? She was the girl playing uh, uh, Mary Jane Watson in the new Spider-Man movies, isn't she? Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that could be. Yeah. <laughs> I've written off comic book movies. I know. You. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just, for, for the audience's reference to people who, I, I know yeah. a lot of people in our audience still watch the Marvel movies. So if, if, if you're familiar okay. with, with who she is, you might recognize her from the Spider-Man movies. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just get one look and I don't know, I'm not feeling it uh, as yeah. to where I remember seeing when Siffy's Dune miniseries was coming out in 2000. And, and I mean, as also like Rob, as a huge Blade Runner fan, I mean, Sean Young, you know, she's, she's dynamite. Um, and she was dynamite as Chani in the 84 Dune. When I saw uh, Barbara Kordatova and I did not look that up, folks, that's how memorable she is. Um, I thought she was tremendous as Chani instant look instantly worked for me. Uh, granted, if you watch the director's cut of, uh, Siffy's, uh, Frank Herbert's Dune, it might do some other things for you, or she might do some other things for you as well, (laughs) 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 because wow. Um, which actually that raises an interesting point that I'm going to write down quickly that I want to, that I want to talk about, but anyway, uh, I'm not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it with this, with with Zendaya, uh, as Chani. Yeah, me either. Uh, yeah. I don't really have much to say about it. Um, I under, understand that uh, the, the, these criticisms that I've been making, I am sort of reserving final judgment for when the movie comes out. So I'm not sure. I'm not against this movie like from the outset. I am going to go see this movie with the intention of enjoying it. 
Yeah, same here. Same here. I, I, I'll, I'll second that. Um, let's bring up, I, I, this is one of the biggest stars on, on the list. Uh, Jason Momoa is Duncan Idaho. What do you think? Mm, I mean, I, I love Jason Momoa. Mm-hmm. I think he's a tremendous actor. Mm-hmm. And and understand, I liked him before he was popular because I was watching Stargate Atlantis, and he was tremendous in that show. Yeah, right. I'm just not sure that he's Duncan Idaho. Here again, I got, I have to reserve judgment on this one. I'm 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 not going for or against this one either way on this point. Yeah, I I think he has the acting chops to do anything. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, no doubt there. And I loved Aquaman that speaking of comic book movies, that was one that, that stood out for me. That was worth a watch. Um, all right. I, I, before I say what I'm going to say, I'm going to, we're going to skip to the next person and that, and this is maybe where people are going to get, this is the controversial choice. And I think it, but, but anyway, Dr. Kynes is being played by a woman. Uh, uh, Sharon Duncan Brewster and you know obviously uh, and I mean we could dedicate this whole episode to Max von Sydow uh, who recently passed Um, that's a tough act to follow anytime Mm -hmm. you're following Max von Sydow how do you feel about the choice of a woman being put in place for Dr. Kynes Um, I I don't I don't have a huge problem with it to be honest with you um, the, uh, I, in a way I'm almost hopeful that by doing this, they're going to maybe expand on the relationship between Chani and her now mother Yeah, in this movie, because I thought that was something that was actually really underserved both in all the movies and the miniseries and even in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And and I'd like to see because Frank Herbert very much I I would I don't disagree with the sentiment. While Dune has a lot of themes, um I think one of them is is like the strength of mothers. Uh like I or, or at least of to some degree of wives. I think that that's kind of a point. I mean, the book literally ends with history will, will remember us as wives, you know, because they were the mothers of the, the children that actually you could say mattered right in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm totally on board with them having strong mothers in this movie because Villeneuve has come out and said that he's expanded upon the character of uh, lady Jessica, which I have no problem with that. Um, and if he's doing the same with Dr. Kynes, kind of like you're saying there, Rob, I'm, I'm, I'm there too. Uh, I, I have no problem with this actress. I have no problem with the, with the choice. I think that's fine. Uh, you know, gender swapping is a popular thing in, in Hollywood movies right now. I understand that this is a case where I think it could work, but here's, this is why I I mentioned this before I, I said what I thought about Duncan Idaho. If you're going to gender swap a character, that's the one I would have wanted. I would have loved it. That's interesting. Yeah. I would have be, because when you get into the Golas and like, even, I mean, this would allow for. (laughs) <laughs> yes, <laughs> you, you, you got it instantly, didn't you? That, that, yeah, that yeah. is my point because we're going to get into some characters, you know, <laughs> 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 <Woo>. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, oh, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that could have gone places and you want to be trailblazing. You want to be controversial. 
Yeah. That's controversial. So I would have, I, oh, I would have instantly, and I would have had no problem with it. And I would have said, absolutely. Uh, you know, because I mean, we'd have had expression of bisexuality. We would have had all kinds of expressions that I just think would have been dynamite. And, and also, I mean, Duncan Idaho as a goal, it becomes such an important character. It's something that would have stuck. And I think helped would have helped distinguish the, this movie. If it becomes a movie series, the series of films. And I think it's a lost opportunity. Uh, that that's, if you're going to gender swap a character, that's where I would have gone. So yeah. That, that's Cause a, I mean, that, that, that that plays all throughout all the rest of the books. Exactly. I mean, because he he's the one character that is 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 throughout the entire series. Yeah. And yeah. And and you might just you know when 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 I said that's hot, you might be thinking I was just thinking about Alia. No, right. no, no. But that is a part of it. I mean, the Alia yeah, is yeah, a part of yeah. It. <laughs> but I mean, I mean. That, uh, no, but that would have made the love triangle and God Emperor of Doom even that much more interesting. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. Yeah. So uh, missed opportunity. But, you know, Rob, maybe someday they'll let us make these movies. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that if only they let us make movies. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the only problem is you let me make this movie and like the uh, uh, um, the Tau Siege orgy is going to go for about 30 minutes. We're going to have to do a trilogy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Brian's gonna bring back the steamy '80s love scenes. Yeah. Oh, baby. Like nine and a half weeks? Are you kidding me? It's gonna be nine and a half years, baby. It's gonna be awesome. Or nine and a half months, I should say. It's gonna be. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right. So to get serious again, <laughs> missed opportunities, folks. Um, I will admit, like I, you know, I, I have to give credit. It, it's impossible to not. Regardless if people think that the previous Dune movies are forgettable or it's just not their flavor, there's no way that these this film is not going to be compared to those because certainly the 84 Dune film, as you brought up rightfully, uh, 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 Rob, is, I mean, it's, it's a masterpiece for what it is, I, I, I think. And, and, and it's a masterclass for what it is. And it's very tough, especially visually. It's very tough. Like you're going to have to try and match that somehow. And we're not seeing that in these pictures. Um, I have to give a lot of credit to Siffy for, I thought they did a, speaking of hot, I thought they did a very hot, but incredibly tasteful love scene between Chani and Paul that I can't believe got on the screen. You know, like that, that was ballsy for Siffy at the time. Um, and they even showed, even though you didn't really, you didn't see any skin, you didn't see anything like that, but they basically did pull off the Tau Siege orgy on screen on network or not network television, but on, on television, you know, on, 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 on something that wasn't HBO or the Playboy channel. And I find that to be impressive as well. Um, I don't know if I don't necessarily need to see a love scene um, in, in the movie. I'm sure we're going to get one, but I, you know, I don't necessarily need to see it. I, I would be intrigued if, if they do try to actually include that part of Fremen culture, shall we say, of what happens when they drink the water of life. Uh, maybe they'll save it for the second film. I think that's about when it would make sense. Um, but I, anyway, I just I wonder if they're going to try, because that's a great way to drum up some controversy. Is This is a book that is so well regarded, and most people, I think, even forget that orgies are a part of it. But anyway, I don't need to make mean to make a big deal out of that so much. But I think it's it's something that could get people talking. Uh, the the other scene that's that's 
probably really interesting in terms of that would be and the, the sci-fi series kind of dropped this but the um uh where alia is fighting the uh the kind of like the little drones in mm-hmm. uh oh, Messiah. yeah right. yeah 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 uh, that could have been that could be really visually interesting too yeah yeah so i mean i guess i just i don't want them to tone it down like make it as adult as they fucking want you know and and that's what i, I think i'm really hopeful for and yeah. if there's anything good to come out of game of thrones i hope that's it but go if, ahead if, if one thing that we we don't get from these movies you know is is an attempt to market it towards kids like they did with 84 dune which yeah i, th- I thought was a mistake you know like uh, and and not only that the the products they came out with were, were not all that great the toys were crap yeah, I mean, I was when I was a little guy, I did have a Dune T-shirt. I remember that with a big sandworm on it. It was red, um, and I remember when I rented the movie from the library for the first time. I forget exactly how old I was, uh, but when I saw the scene with the Baron, and he's like, actually, just when I saw the Baron, I was fucking terrified. I mean, it wasn't like, ooh, that's scary. He's a villain. No, I was fucking terrified. Um, so yeah, trying to schlep that off to children, don't bother. Uh, which also bothers me that Brian Herbert wants to do that very thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say like, <laughs> what we don't need are like more Dune uh, children's books and coloring books, but you know, um, they've already announced those things. So, oh, well. Yep. Fan fiction gets messy, doesn't it? Uh, oh. so. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, hell. Um, let me look at, at what else we got. Now you had, you had said that you heard where the script is going to end because this is going to be a two, a two movie film or two movie story. Uh, where did you say the first one you thought was going to end? Uh, so from people that I've talked to who have had access to the, to the script uh, on, on Twitter uh, is, is that it ends somewhere shortly after the, the fight scene with Jameis where, you know, Paul and his mother are introduced to the Fremen and he has that duel with one of the Fremen. And I I think it's somewhere around there. It might be the funeral scene. So we'll, but that, that's, that's what I've heard is where the first movie is going to end. So we're going to get, you know, the, basically the fall of house of Trades and and the introduction to the Fremen. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good place to end it. If that's where they're going to go, because that's, that's when Paul really gets accepted. Uh, by the Fremen and like, that's where the, you know, his hero's journey really, really begins. I guess you could say, um, the only problem is that that I see is that leaves a lot of the second, you know, to cover. Yeah. That's my only concern there, but I think it's a fine place for, for that's, I still think this should be three movies. This should be a trilogy. It shouldn't be. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Hollywood's willing to take a risk on a trilogy, especially after what happened with the Skywalker saga. But, um, yeah, well, yeah. anyway, how I, mean, you? I this, mean, what do you think about it? If this does well, then, you know, maybe they'll go back and, cause if we understand they've, they've, they've already shot the second movie. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's, it's, it's already filmed. They obviously they, they haven't even finished working on, you know, all the post-production on the first one yet, but yeah, um, who knows if if the first movie does really well which i mean i unfortunately at this point i'm not really hopeful of that happening and unfortunately i don't think dune is just one of those franchises that is met for super mass appeal um but if it did then maybe they would you know 
uh, go back and possibly do research shoots to expand on and make a second and third movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd be okay with that if they did. Um, the, but I mean, you think that's a fine ending spot overall for the, first yeah, movie? I mean, it's, it's, I th- it's about where I think the first book ends within right. you know the novel. So, right. So an interesting thing that Villeneuve said is that he feels like now ecology is in the science of ecology, ecology, not environmentalism, but ecology is a big deal in the Dune books. There's no doubt about that. I'm yes. not going to, not going to argue about that. I mean, there's a whole appendix on it. Exactly. Right. And, and, you know, Dr. Kynes is like always thinking about how his dad is talking about this plant and that. And I mean, it's, it's a big deal anyway. Um, Villeneuve though, seems to have this interpretation that I never really got. Um, in fact, I'll read here from the Vanity Fair piece quick. For Villeneuve, this 55-year-old story about a planet being mined to death was not merely a space adventure, but a prophecy. Quote, no matter what you believe, Earth is changing and we will have to adapt, end quote, he says. Quote, that's why I think that Dune, this book, was written in the 20th century. It was a distant portrait of the reality of the oil and the capitalism and the exploitation the over-exploitation of Earth. Today, things are just worse. It's a coming-of-age story, but also a call for action for the youth. Now, I read Dune when I was a teenager. That was the first time I ever read it. And and when I really got the book, when I got the movie, when I understood the movie, was also as a teenager. I, I never got that out of out of Dune. Like, yeah, I mean, I I agree with you, and I and and it doesn't make the sense that you know Arrakis is being mined to death because that's fucking silly. I mean, yeah, the, no, because the, the, the spice the gets sand, produced. All the yeah, time. the sandworms produce the spice, and they fucking own that planet. You know, yeah, nobody can kill the sandworms. Like, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, they they do eventually, but it's it's right. it's a very very slow process, and it wouldn't be you know something that you would say is destroying the planet, right. In fact, they even theorize within the books that, you know, the sandworms are like, you know, a foreign organism to the plant, right. to, 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 to Arrakis. And that, you know, that, that they, the sandworms themselves destroyed the original call, uh, uh, ecology. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, like, I, there is throughout the Dune series of books, and even in the first book, there is a certain, like, okay, respect the ecology of whatever planet you happen to be on. I think that is there. You can extrapolate that. But the idea that Arrakis is being strip mined, fuck no. Like yeah. that, that's not happening that's, at all. That's a stretch. And, I, and and it is true that Frank Herbert did take inspirations from things like, whereas like Chome is basically OPEC. There's, yes, there's no question absolutely. about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but, but Dune is not an allegory that they're that they're implying here right I, I mean not to say that frank herbert wouldn't write about that because he did write the green brain which is about right. which that is about these sorts of things so i wouldn't argue with villeneuve if he was making a movie of the green brain but that's not dune um i, I thought this was weird and and this is where maybe somehow he got the green light it's like well i'll put in this message i mean and look you know i i i have very real concerns about earth's ecology i uh, you know uh I'm not necessarily disagreeing. I'm just saying that th- that's not Dune. Like, and, and, and that worries me a little bit because it's like, uh, you, you pulled that out of your ass. That's not in the book. Um, but 
yeah, I, I think you're you're what you're bringing up yeah, about Chome and so on is anything, interesting. Like the the entirety of the 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 Dune saga is really a message about how much control we have a species over our environment, right? And how we have the power to change it to yes. to, to fit our purposes, and that's definitely not the message they're sending here with with what you're describing in this article. Yeah, I mean. Like I, I literally, I cannot think of where you could get that interpretation. Um, I, I think he really probably, this is how he's, how he sold it to get this script going. Um, yeah. you know, is that he had to get, I mean, because I, I think Hollywood has certain messages, you know, they love their word hope and unite, Ugh. uh, you know, they have certain messages that they want to get out there for whatever fucking reason. I don't know what it is. Um, and and I just feel like this is one of the boxes that he had to check, you know, um, and 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 get it, to get it out there. So I, I don't know. We'll we'll see how big of a deal that makes. Yeah. But I do worry that he is dramatically misunderstood. Uh, you know what what the book's about. Um, but okay, you know, I mean, again, it does have multiple themes. I admit that. I said that earlier, but this isn't one of them. So it's it's, it's going to be interesting for the people who haven't read the books how they're going to end up, how this modern interpretation is, is going mm -hmm. to be read because you're mm -hmm. certainly going to have a crowd who is going to take issue with the whole white savior. Oh yeah. Part of it, you know? Yeah. Whereas if you actually read the books, you know, that's the farthest thing from the truth. Yeah. It's actually the opposite. Yeah. It's actually <laughs> they, starkly the opposite. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny too, cause I've read reviews from people who talk about the movie and they're like, Oh, it's, you know, like the 84 Dune and they're like, ah, we don't know why this movie is a big deal. It's classic white savior shit. It's like, no, no, no. You don't know the rest of the story. <laughs> you know, right. you, don't, you don't know right. how this goes. Uh, <laughs> this is not good. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. So, so you know, if it, I've seen some merchandising deals for even like board games for this that I'm excited about. And frankly, if I get a remake of Dune 2000 or Dune 2, you know, and I don't have to play the gun mod edition of Dune 2000 anymore or whatever, like, uh, you know, I, I'm okay with that, with that kind of be, becoming a thing. Um, if we get that sort of stuff out of this, uh, I kind of uh, doubt how about you. you yeah. Doubt it? Yeah. No, I, I, uh, in fact, um, I'll try to include it in the show notes, but uh, somebody did actually kind of a retrospective on the Dune games just here recently, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it's been it's been confirmed now that that the reason uh, that we haven't gotten a re-release of any of the previous you know Dune games you know including you know the original Cryo game and Dune Two and Dune Two Thousand and you know Emperor battle for dune the reason mm -hmm. that we haven't gotten any of those on gog and they've tried they've tried but the herbert family trust or estate or wherever you want to call it came and said and and i quote those are old they should stay old what that's brian herbert that yeah fuck. oh yeah yeah that that's the fuck. whole family it's that whole family fuck that god damn it I mean, folks, you got to understand <laughs> the emotional reaction is because these games are awesome. Um, 
I mean, don't play the PlayStation version of, two, of Dune 2000. That was very weird. It has had this weird 3D-like effect. The rest of the, I mean, Dune 2 basically created the RTS genre. Uh, I mean, these are tremendous, tremendous games. That, that's, that is such bullshit. You know, I wonder... It's not, is, it's not just the games, either. I mean, right. I, I really have a beef with this, with, 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 with the Herbert estate. Uh, another thing that they, they've done... Is like all the the just phenomenal artwork um, mm. by John Schoenher, you know, that you see on the original yeah. covers and stuff. Is that uh, the, the, they won't real like they won't allow anybody to make prints or posters or anything with any of his art on modern day, you know. And apparently, uh, the reason this have isn't happening is because pretty much the the Herbert. You know, disparate members of the Herbert family, uh, they all own the original paintings from all the Dune books now and stuff. And they're hanging up on their walls. And that's kind of like their private little thing to enjoy. It's that, not for that, the rest of the world. That's so ridiculous. And and I, there's a part of, I can't believe Frank Herbert would have been on board with all that. Oh, there's so I, much Frank Herbert wouldn't be on board with. I mean, yeah, we, we wouldn't have McDune for one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking A. I, like, yeah, I mean, because you can read, you know, you can get more of Herbert's philosophy when you read, um, well, a lot of Hellstrom's Hive, um, The White Plague. I mean, like, there's a lot of books out there that that explore more of, I think, what Herbert thought about things. This is crazy. That, that, that's so, that's so, especially that reason. It's old. It should stay buried, basically. Mm-hmm. Fuck, yeah. fuck that. Yep. No, yep. it's old. That's why it's great. <laughs> because this is this is why also why you won't get a republication of one of the the rarest and hard to get Dune books ever, the Dune Encyclopedia. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. they they wish with a burning <laughs> passion for that book to die. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you, and folks, go ahead and download. Yeah, because it it contradicts what Brian Herbert has written. Um, in in a lot of things and then there's and they, much and they more don't even, they don't even need to to be that i mean like even frank herbert in the introduction to that book said that he would keep his own counsel on to you know whether or not any of this stuff was true and it, it says right the beginning in, in the book that this is not canon right and, and rightfully so for frank herbert to say that um you, you know yeah, that's out there available, folks, to download like the PDF of even and go ahead and have it just to be a thorn in the side to these people because that, that that's just that's terrible. That's I didn't know that. I'll have to yeah get that right. Let's get that retrospective in the uh, in the show notes because man, <laughs> I need some more rage porn in my life because <laughs> that's what that's going to be i love those games of the passion it's one of the first yeah. things i install anytime well, I mean, I, i'm bringing up like a machine dune 2 just from you know in terms of uh the historical importance of that game mm-hmm. it is like the, pretty much recognized as the first rts yes there was there was some other games that had elements of the rts yes. genre but dune 2 is the one that really codified it and made it what it is Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. That that's so crazy. Well, frankly, I can't believe they're, they're letting this movie get made. In fact, now I'm kind of wondering if Brian Herbert wants this environmental friendly message to be included in the film and like that, that has to be there. 
We yeah, I would be surprised. I mean, he he and he and Kevin J. Anderson have basically have been trying to rewrite Dune history for the last twenty years. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, this is another franchise where it just it's playing into this. I mean, kind of with Star Wars, certainly with Star Trek, where it's like, okay, what came before was canon. They they're just fucking it up now as they go along. I mean, and and, and this sort of thing, you know, this isn't like a new idea either. Is basically what I'm suggesting is if you want to read Dune, read the first six books, and then you know what the original Dune Seven was is just going to be a mystery for all time. Um, yeah, don't like, don't don't, don't buy into this crap that you know Frank Herbert left some floppy disks with the with the Dune Two or with the Dune Seven uh, outline in. I don't buy that for a second. If it was yeah. true, then they should publish it. Publish yeah, the notes. I mean, Right. Put it, make it, make it a, an heirloom edition, sell it for $5,000 and you know, and you'll, you'll have people that'll buy it. I guarantee you yeah. that if you yeah. did too, you'll do good money on that one, and, but they and won't they, do that because it's shit. They, they changed the story on that so many times that it just, mm-hmm. it, it makes it me, it's, it's completely incredulous. You know, uh, you know, first they said they found it in a safe deposit box and then right. they said they found the notes up in, you know, Brian in, in uh, their parents' attic and, you know, like it just just keeps changing. So I, I, I don't believe for a second anything those two con men have to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, and just to be clear, like this this idea that there's like parts of a franchise that are canon and or that like people, even when something else, the example I'm going to give you so you understand Sherlock Holmes. OK, there is what's known as the original canon in Sherlock Holmes. And then there are books, other stories written by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle himself that exist outside of that. We know for a fact that he did those for the money, the, the extra ones. And they're, they are nowhere near as well thought out or as brilliant as what he did with the original canon. And so you have a lot of people like usually when you buy a complete Sherlock Holmes set, and there's plenty of those, those, those other works by, by uh, Doyle aren't in there because most people are like, okay, we know what those were and, and, and it doesn't matter. And that's really it is that that's the same way I think to treat anything not by Frank Herbert in the Dune uh, saga is, yeah. oh, you're, it's a money grab. It's not the canon, you know? No. And I mean, and right. as much as I love the games too, the games have their own basically storyline. That's like ha- oh, yeah. has nothing, nothing to do with the books. You can still enjoy those things, but yeah, it's like, this is the final word on as far as concerned there are six books and they were written by frank that's it yeah that's the end of it yeah i'm I'm totally with you on that 100 so but the movie well we'll see um i mean that's also why i've given the 84 dune a little more credibility over time is because well frank herbert was fucking there uh yeah. <laughs> and he had yeah. some say in what was put on screen uh, i'm sure or he, he had some input at least but anyway so Well, we will be keeping an eye on the uh, Dune production and release as it comes out, uh, because, again, for Rob and I, this is one of our top franchises, uh, and and certainly we were happy to talk about it on TIE Fighter Renegades. Uh, Again, I mean, this story got shared in the Telegram group, uh, so I take that as impetus. Hey, guys, talk about this. (laughs) So we have. all right. Well, do you have anything else on, on Dune you want to talk about, Rob, or we can move on to our recommendations? No, I had my, you know, uh, my, my two cents put in on uh, uh, old Brian Herbert and the <laughs> hack. 
who shall not yeah. be named. So yeah, yeah I, I feel yeah. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, so why don't we get into our recommendations, then we'll wrap this show up. Um you want to start off with your Rob, yours, Rob? This is a, this is a doozy we were talking about just offhand before we started recording. Go for it. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned to her, you know, when Ryan were talking before, you know, that I'd unfortunately had a hard drive failure and lost a, the hard drive where I had all my TV shows were stored. And uh, I was fortunately able to recover most of it. Uh, but one of the things that uh, I, I unfortunately lost the first disc of was a television show back in the 90s called American Gothic. And boy, is this show deep. And it has, if like, if you like when Brian talks about, you know, stuff to do with the occult or, you know, uh, uh, they, those, them, uh, <laughs> or, you know, the devil, uh, this is definitely the show for you. Uh, and it, and sadly it only lasted one season and it's kind of hard to find these days. There was a DVD release, so you can get it that way. But as far as finding it online, um, I, there are a few episodes up on YouTube, but finding it in its entirety is somewhat difficult now, but if you can get a hold of it, it is worth it. Yeah, I, I will second that all the way. Um, because uh, yeah, I, I watched the show when it came out. I was very familiar with the guy who's playing the, the sheriff in town. Don't let that dissuade you folks. The show has got, it works on so many levels. Uh, Gary Cole was amazing. He would actually go on to play a major part in the Babylon five universe, um, and did very well there as well. Um, I love the show. I, I, and, I totally second. Go ahead, Rob. And, and getting those TPS reports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're a fan of office space, you also know who Gary Cole is. <laughs> yeah. Well said. Uh, yeah. This is, this is a really clever show in the nineties. We had so much experimentation with shows and this is one of those experiments and one of the better ones, I think, uh, even though a lot of them, I think were great. Um, there has, and you gotta be careful because there CBS did a show called American Gothic that had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Uh, was this a Fox show? I, uh, I thought it was. I don't know. It was ABC. I think it, yeah. Yeah. I think it, it was one of the, the big three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was, it was started in 2016, but yeah, it has nothing to do with the, the show from not the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. And so be careful which one you're, you think you're getting. Um, definitely look for Gary Cole and he, boy, does he deliver. Uh, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to learn to scream out the name Caleb a lot. <laughs> so we'll just put it that way. Uh, yeah. Tremendous pick, Rob. Uh, I, I totally recommend that as well. Um, I guess we'll get into my pick, uh, which I'll actually be doing somewhat of a review on this in an upcoming sovereign tech during a climax. So you're going to want to check this out ahead of time. Another one that's a little hard to get your hands on. In fact, I do have the DVDs of this or the DVD of this specific. Um, and I'll make this history very, very short, but I do have the DVD of this, but it's so funny because when you get the DVD, you find out it's this like Warner archive collection or some shit. And basically when you order it on Amazon, Amazon makes a copy right then. Like they don't keep them in stock. And this DVD, when you put it into your player, 
there's no menu. <laughs> like there's nothing. <laughs> it just goes straight. Uh, and, and I mean, it's, it's like that. Um, but this is, uh, from 1973 and it was a, uh, a TV, it was supposed to be a TV series ended up only being a pilot by Gene Roddenberry, uh, called Genesis two. And oh, I remember this one. Yeah. 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 So this, this is really, this is really, really interesting for a few reasons. But it stars uh, Alex Cord, who would probably be most famous for being on another tremendous show, that being Airwolf, um, which is kind of fitting, but I won't say why. Uh, he he played um, uh, Archangel on on Airwolf. Anyway, uh, he does a pretty good job in this, playing a, a character named Dylan Hunt. Now, you might recognize that name as the character that Kevin Sorbo played in Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda in the 90s. But this is a completely different character. Uh, as far as that goes. Anyway, it is, it, it takes place in the year like 2153 and Dylan hunt, this character ends up getting frozen in time. It's very much or frozen in the seventies. It's very much a, uh, uh, kind of a Buck Rogers style story where he ends up hundreds of years in the future. And when he ends up in the future, uh, like there's been this world war three and the earth is kind of repairing itself. And there's some humans who have survived, um, and they've tried to keep the best of previous civilizations and, you know, kind of keep them alive in the 22nd century. Uh, and their villains are the Tyranians, which are like these mutants that have two belly buttons and all this is pretty wild. Um, but this is pure 19. I mean, it looks like it's from 1973, but it's pure Gene Roddenberry getting out the wildest of ideas that I guarantee you, you will never see in any movie or any show today. They wouldn't even dream of touching how unconventional the, the ideas. Um, there was a sequel movie made called planet earth. That's actually what I'm going to review in sovereign tech, but they got rid of Alex cord and they brought in John Saxon, of course, of uh, enter the dragon fame for that. The really interesting thing here, I think that's worth checking out. And in fact, they even hinted on the back of the DVD. Uh, if you buy the official DVD, I think this was as much as great a show as enterprise was. Okay. I think this was originally Gene Roddenberry's vision of what the 22nd century looked like um, in Star Trek. And I think we would have found if this became a show that eventually it would have tied into Star Trek, that this, this group of humans that survive and, and are kind of the stars of Genesis two, that they would have been the ones that ended up like founding the Federation connecting with the Vulcans and, and so on. Uh, I mean, it's really, really great stuff. And you get more of Majel, uh, Majel Barrett's in this. Um, another, another great actor to be involved is Ted Cassidy, which if you remember him, he played Lurch in uh, the original Adams family. And it's fun to see him playing like a more of a straight role. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just a lot of fun. And, and again, pure seventies, but it's amazing what he got away with, what ideas he got away with putting in this that I just don't think you could get away with putting on celluloid today or in digital or whatever. Um, so yeah, I totally recommend this Genesis to fairly rare. You might be able to find it on the public library, but I know you can buy the DVDs if you want. You're just going to have to wait a little bit because they, uh, they print to order <laughs> with, <laughs> with these classics. Did you ever see Genesis? Uh, long, long time ago. I'll have to do a rewatch because uh, I, I just, I only remember impressions. I watched it when I was a kid. I think it was on, you know, like daytime TV yeah, at I, some point. Yeah, because this would get syndicated, like the Quester tapes and some others. It's, it's, right. it's, it's really worth checking out. Yeah. 
there's my recommendation for uh, this episode of TIE Fighter Renegades. I think we can wrap this one up, Rob. Yeah. So anyway, uh, of course, go to TIEFighter.xyz to listen and Well, you don't really get to view, but, you know, there's videos there. It's a YouTube channel. You can check it out there. And the feed is also, if you go to SovereignTech.com, you can get in the podcast feed there. But that'll be it for this episode of TIE Fighter Renegades. And we'll be back soon. See all of you woo, on the other side.